This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Indoors or out, fall, winter, spring, and summer, whenever you garden, wherever you garden, this is the show that covers it all. The AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And good morning. I am the sous chef of the garden, Frank Proctor, uh, in here till... uh, uh, 10 o'clock, and we'll be fielding your questions. What you got to do, though, of course, is get a hold of us. You call David first. He's the first voice you're going to hear, and he's got a gorgeous voice, too. Mm-hmm. He paid me five bucks to say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the You'll number do is, anything for uh, money. Oh, I know. <laughs> 416-360-0740. That's uh, the phone number for Toronto area listeners. And then anywhere else in the province, it's toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. Now, a little aside here, the behind the curtain of radio, just as we were about to go on the air, Charlie said, oh, oh, I'm going to sneeze. <laughs> you know, this past week, Di and I were at home, and I was just reaching up to get a, a couple of nice thin wine glasses, and one in each hand, and I just got them down from the cupboard, and they're maybe about two inches apart, and Di, five feet away from me, gave one of the loudest sneezes I've ever heard in my life, and I crashed the glasses together. It scared me. And I broke a wine glass. So she says, tell people it was her singing that did That's that. That's right. Shattered the wine glasses. Yeah, shattered the wine glasses. And imagine you were pulling wine out of the cupboard because you were toasting a big event that well, happened this Well, yes, week. this uh, past, uh, well, let's see. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was last Sunday, mm-hmm. 6.08, uh, grand... A.M. Uh, A.M. Okay. in the morning there. Mm-hmm. Our uh, new little granddaughter, Ellie Dye arrived, Ellie Dye Proctor, and uh, so that's now five granddaughters. <laughs> i got to talk to my sons. You yeah, know, yeah. there's an XY chromosome manual that you're not reading, boys. Well, th- there's a support group for, the, for <laughs> that, there, those uh, men. It's called Men Without Y Chromosomes. There you are. Oh, well. <laughs> no, but she's a sweetie. Oh, gosh, she's a cute little thing. That's great. Well, that's good news. And congratulations, obviously, to you and I and well, your son and daughter-in-law. Yeah, had it not been for us, you know. Very exciting. Uh, right, Very yes. exciting. Uh, just so everybody knows, we will be having a, ske- a special guest today. Uh, the newly elected president of the Master Gardeners of Ontario, Ralph Bulla, will be joining us shortly. Ralph gardens in the Thunder Bay area. So I don't want any, I want to hear any whining today about how cold it is because <laughs> Ralph's yeah. going to put us all in our place when it comes to gardening in chilly situations uh, or being you know there right now. But here's a couple of upcoming events in the Alrighty. meantime. Mark your calendar. Did you give the phone number? Yes, oh, I did. Oh, you did. Okay, sorry, I wasn't paying. I didn't attention. give the mantra: call early, call often, one question per call. All but right. I did. Now. That's important. Yeah. Okay, thank you. So get out your calendars. Sunday, February the sixth. So next Sunday, the Ontario Rock Garden and Hardy Plants. Society will be meeting at the Toronto Botanical Gardens at 1 p.m. Mm. Everyone is welcome to hear from Anna Leggett on the subject of Flowers of Iran. Oh. Interesting. So that's the Rock Garden and Hardy Plant Society, Sunday, February 6th. The Burlington Hort Society has their monthly meeting on February the 9th from 7.30 to 9 p.m. The guest speaker for the evening is Chris Lepart. Uh, topic is perennials and how to make your garden more interesting. Meet at the Burlington Senior Center, 2285 New Street, 
at Drury Lane in Burlington. Everyone is welcome to that one as well. That's a pretty town, too, Burlington. I really like that it area. There's lovely, lovely homes Peanut, there. I know. Love that nice lake. Nice people. Love that lakeshore. Uh, okay, February 9th. There's a lot going on here. February 9th, the Riverdale Hort Society is hosting the smart and humorous Veronica Callanan on the subject of low-maintenance tips for gardeners. Their meeting, of course, takes place from 7 to 9 at the Frankland Community Center, 816 Logan Avenue. Did she do a little stand-up routine and stuff like that? Yeah, She does. Yeah, yeah. She's good. She's very good. Very entertaining and very smart. Okay, next one for those of you a little bit north of the Toronto area. Thursday, February the 10th, uh, the Huronia Beekeepers Association is hosting Clement Kent, and he's speaking uh, at the, in Aurelia at the Highwayman Inn from 7.30 to 9 p.m. The subject is how to make a pollinator garden. Well, there's been a lot of buzz about that lately. Exactly. Good, very good. <laughs> yes, You're right you. on the ball uh, there. Yeah. I like that. This meeting is, again, everybody's welcome to come. Clement is a biology professor. I actually just met him for the first time mm-hmm. this past week. He's a biology professor at York University. But it's his hobby. This pollinator gardening subject is what he's totally passionate about. So he's even managed to wrangle a bunch of U of T students to help create the first ever pollinator garden at Canada Blooms this year. Hey, neat. So that's going to be pretty neat. So if you can't make it to Aurelia for February the 10th, plan to learn more about pollinator-friendly landscaping and the important role of pollinators uh, on um, at Canada Blooms. Well, March I just 16th broke out in hives thinking about to it. To 20th <laughs> at the Direct Energy yeah. Center. Oh, you oh. are too much. All right, the next one we can talk about. It's not till February 23rd, but oh. yeah, lots going on. Yeah. Lots oh. going on. Well, all righty. Once again, those phone numbers, let me repeat them because folks say, you say them so fast sometimes, Frankie. Slow down. Okay, <laughs> 416 360 Zero zero seven forty Toronto area listeners and anywhere else in the province toll free one eight six six seven forty four seven forty. All right, thank you for that. Yeah, uh, and one more thing to mention that yes. minerals are your garden's best friend, but they're good for you too. Sierra Sil took some, my three this morning. Yes, so did yes. I. And is a natural mineral formula. It's proven to be effective against aches and stiffness. It makes gardening and other activities a whole lot easier. It doesn't work for everybody, but if it's going to work for you, you're going to feel better within 14 days. And then if it doesn't, you, you can get your money back. Get your full yeah. money back. So that's where the phone number comes from. One eight seven seven joint fourteen. Give them a call. There you go. Transplanting good ideas from one gardener to another. This is the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. <laughs> uh, and Frank Proctor, your sous chef. and uh, We're having a little giggle well, here. Well, I bought Dye a plant at, at uh, our local store. Which Frank was telling me because yeah. he's so proud of the fact yes, that he bought a plant. I can't remember the name of it. I, <laughs> I know it's not amaryllis. Oh, well, we'll find out later. <laughs> Meantime, we got folks to talk to here. Bill uh, calling in from uh, Guelph. Hi, Bill. Good morning. Oh yeah! Hi, Bill. Good morning, Bill. Uh, I'm calling from Aurelia, Charlie. Oh, okay. Oh, I got it. You were on staff at well. We talked before about your background. Right, right, oh, right, that's right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, yeah. It's the just, reason I'm calling. I got confused. We're yes. composting, mm-hmm. and we do our best composting in uh, the cold here in Aurelia. Why the best? Well, <laughs> yeah. All the. Uh, the vegetable scraps go into a bag. Mm-hmm. They go outside, they freeze. Mm-hmm. The cells split. Mm-hmm. 
and in the spring, out into our compost bins. We have three each. If you could fill them, <laughs> would hold 96 cubic feet. Nice. But, wow. of course, it doesn't. And in the spring, of course, they're going to be filled with last year's mulched leaves. Right. And we put the... Uh, the mush. We put all this winter stuff yeah. in there. Yeah. Aerobic bacteria takes over. Rotting takes place. And my God, you get great compost. It, it happens well, fast, too. Well, so that's a really good idea, actually. I mean, some people think that they shouldn't bother going out in the winter because nothing happens to their vegetable oh, no, peelings. No. They just freeze solid, and everything seems to kind of come to a standstill. But that's fine, because as soon as it gets a little bit warm and everything starts yeah, to thaw, it happens fast. Yeah. Right now I have six bags. Oh, yeah. And so and you they're frozen solid. Plastic bags of, of mush. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the minute I transplant... You know, yep. or move. Yep. All those cells are broken open. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the best thing about freezing, right? Oh, so, sure. Good tip. That's a v- bacteria takes over and rotting. Yeah. Rotting takes place. As opposed to that stale, swampy smell, if you kept all that in the bag, you get it out of the bag. Whenever I think of rotting and petrification, I will think of you, Bill. I think that's a... (laughs) Listen, guys, I'll be in touch from time to time. Okay. Good to hear from you. Thanks, Bill. Good to talk to you both. All righty. Take care, Bill. Enjoy your day. (laughs) Bye-bye. That's kind of a fun way to start the show. Yeah. Putrefaction. How do you say that? Putrefaction. Yeah, thank you. Smells. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Joseph Stinky. up in Mississauga, or to the west in Mississauga, is uh, on the line with us right now. Good morning, Joseph. How are you? Right, thank you. Morning, Frank. Morning, Charlie. Good morning. Enjoy your show. Thank you. Um, I have a wax plant, uh, probably about 10 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, it bloomed once, and um, it never bloomed uh, after that. But it's still... Okay, so a wax plant is yeah. proper... The proper name for wax plant is Hoya. H-O-Y-A. Very thick, waxy-type leaves, which is where that wax comes from, and very cool flowers when it does flower. Have you got it in in a nice sunny spot, the brightest spot in your house, southern preferably or western window? Uh, Yeah, it's a bright bright room. It's uh, in the bathroom. The bathroom is your brightest room? Yeah. Okay. So, and there's no curtains over the window. That's the one thing, right? You want as much bright sunshine as possible. Yeah, I have a curtain. Yeah. Okay. So that's good. The other thing is, do not water this plant very often. It because of those waxy, thick leaves, it's able to actually store a fair amount of water and and go completely dry between waterings. Yeah, I water once a week. No. Well, I wouldn't water once a week. I'd water when it's very dry. So that's feel the soil. And make sure there's it feel like the soil has not got any sort of moisture below the surface that it's you know really hard and dry and you know just not feeling like it's a, a nice environment at all for any plant. Then you can water. And as the days start to get longer, it's fine to start um, fertilizing, but do not obviously fertilize in the winter time. And um, I find wax plants or hoya are more likely to flower. Like I said, if you do a lot of this sort of tough love stuff, so. Don't water often, lots and lots of sun, and if it's a pot-bound plant, it's in the same pot for five or ten years, that actually seems to be a good thing. That seems to promote tough flowering. Love. Tough yeah. love, yeah. yeah. tough love. <laughs> okay, Joseph. So don't be nice to it. <laughs> thank, thank you very Thanks much for, for the your call. call. Uh, okay. Joseph on the line here at AM 740, the garden show underway. Charlie Dobbin, our master gardener, uh, with you this morning. 
416-360-0740 in Toronto and anywhere else in the province. It's toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. And Alan's with us, too, from Rockwood. Hey, good morning, Alan. Morning. Good morning. I was inquiring about um, worms in carrots. Hmm. Okay, these are ones in the garden? Big garden? Yes. Yeah. I seem to get uh, yellow worms after they're uh, picked up, dug up. Oh, uh, so when you dig up the carrots, they look firm and fine. Yes. And then you put them into storage. Sand, yes. Okay. They get a black line, and when you scrape them off, they have these yellow worms. Maggots. Maggots. So there's, that's, maggots. Uh, that's right, maggots. Obviously in the sand. Yeah, look at this. Wow. You see the look on Frank's face. Ooh, well, no, it just sounds no, creepy. It's, uh, it's sometimes it's in there when I dig them up. Right. Huh. Now, uh, scrub. The sand is, is sterile. You have, you know, yeah. bought sand. Did you? I mean, you could always, I mean, it's not an easy thing to do, but you could always bake the sand, right? I mean, that's one of those, stick it in the oven and bake it just in case there's any life in there. That'll kill it. What about putting uh, black... Uh, uh, well, the sand is or... in a root cellar. Oh, I, it's I a root assume, cellar. Oh, yeah, okay. that mm-hmm. when we do mm-hmm. our, our vegetable burying, we're in root cellars. So, I mean, your quantity of sand might be hard to do that sort of a thing with. But certainly, heat is one of the best ways to sterilize things. Um, Somebody now, said it was a fly. Well, the it, the it, it, the what you're seeing that little larva or maggot is the larval form of an insect that does become a fly. Uh, I don't have all that sort of information at the absolute tips of my my brain at this point. But let me. Um, I'm wondering when you go when you pull the carrots out of the ground, you brush them off, or or I don't imagine you wash them, but do you use like a stiff brush at all, or get the soil off, or do anything? We, we hose them down. Oh, yeah. you do hose them down. Take all the soil off. Yeah, mm. so they're quite orange when you put them. Mm-hmm. There's very little uh, earth attached to them. Mm-hmm. So I'd be surprised if, if insects are traveling from that process into the root cellar. Mm-hmm. I would assume that the insect infestation is happening in the root cellar. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't let, happen to beets. They're fine. They are. Right? Well, fine, yeah. no, not necessarily because it's it, different insects like different yeah. crops. <laughs> right? mm-hmm. uh, and certainly carrots are pretty sweet. There's a lot of reasons why insects go for carrots. So let me um, let me see if I can come up with a solution for you on that. How, is your root cellar in your basement or is it outside beyond the house? No, it's in the basement and a is. cool part. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. And is it fair-sized space? Yes. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so what else do you store in there? You've got potatoes, rutabagas? Potatoes, dahlias. Yeah. And that, lilies. And do you ever see any flies flying around in there when you go in? No. Okay, no. and no... Oh, it's too cold. It's just above freezing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe 40 degrees or something. And and no other... Um, in no other <clears throat> product or crop has shown any kind of an infestation? No. no. Just the carrots. Yeah. So you, you've got rutabagas or turnips as well? Sometimes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And nothing's showing any... So the carrots, do they have holes or you just see these on the surface? It's in through the... In through and it turns black. Yeah. Sometimes oh. I notice them when we dig them up, but... Seems to come along later. Later, huh? Hmm. Like I said, let me let me see if I can come up with some information on that. So if I can't report back today, then listen up next week, and I'll see if I can come come uh, back with any okay. suggestions on what to do. Thank, thank, thank you, you, Ellen. Thank hey, you well, that's a real problem, isn't it? I mean, is, is it right? Well, when you think about it, you've done all that work of, yeah. of growing and then harvesting and cleaning and storing, and then you go to take it out of storage, and it's not edible, not usable. Yeah, those little maggots have migrated. 
Well, Somehow. or they've traveled. Yeah, yeah, one way or the other, they're causing wreaking havoc on the carrot crop. Don't <laughs> <Okay>. want that. <laughs> hey, we're at 922 here on the show, the Garden Show from AM740 Zoomer Radio, 416-360-0740 for Toronto and anywhere else in the province, 1-866-740-4740. And we'll be back in just a moment. Getting to the root of a growing dilemma. This is the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Well, you never know who calls the show. A die, my wife called in. Hyacinth is what the plant was. Oh, that the I one bought. that's not an amaryllis. That's right. And you <laughs> thought it was a chrysanthemum. Well, I get it. And you were talking up. about the, yeah. the, this big, you weren't referring to it so much as a stem. It was more uh, like some, a big bud, uh, several buds in a Several uh, buds, some kind of a pod of yeah. buds <laughs> growing on some long leaf. And the way you were explaining it was just totally wrong. <laughs> that's why I'm the sous chef exactly. of the garden. But it was certainly making me laugh because I couldn't understand what you <laughs> had actually purchased but a hyacinth is lovely yeah very fragrant it's well, a bulb it's just, just starting to come out you wait now. you go, when yeah. you get home later today yep. you're going to really notice it when you walk oh, in, the, in the apartment and the thing is they just lovely you know keep growing and um flower etc once they're finished flowering though don't feel like you've done something wrong as it all starts to die right. down because it's a bulb okay right it's going to yeah. go dormant yeah. Yeah. and because you're in an apartment you may want to just put it out into the compost or you might want to just throw it over the balcony and it'll grow, <laughs> yeah, it'll grow next spring. Look out. Okay. <laughs> not next spring, the spring after, down to the ground. Hey, we've got a call in from New York, I see. Michael is on the line with us here. Good morning, Michael. How are you? Good morning. Morning. Thanks. Hi. I'm calling to find out if sweet corn can be p- planted in containers and if it can, what a minimum size container would be for sweet corn. Oh, okay, so keep in mind that sweet corn, if you really want to harvest some corn, uh, actual fruit off of this, is a tall plant. So in order for the container to be bottom heavy enough for this to not all fall over, personally, I wouldn't think you'd do very well with sweet corn in a container if the container was any smaller than roughly the size of a half barrel. You know the half barrel planters? Yes. That's that's what, If you had something that size or bigger, that's that bottom heaviness that's going to make a difference. Corn are not deep-rooted, so they don't need a lot of depth, but they do need to spread. It's called tillering when they send all those roots out to the side, and, and more shoots come up from the crown at that point, so it needs some space to kind of breathe and, and spread out a bit. And remember, okay. as well, you can't just grow one corn plant. Corn must cross-pollinate. Okay. So you've got to have at least two plants, preferably three. <laughs> okay. Um, Michael, if I may, while you're on the line, what part of New York uh, are you located? Where are you? Western New York. Western New York. Okay. Do you get a whole bunch of snow like New York City, or are you... Uh... Um, annually, uh, usually more, yeah. and I think this year we have more, um, but we're more used to it here. It <laughs> That's really yeah. You're hardy types, yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for calling in. But we appreciate you, that. Just before you go, why why do you want to grow corn in containers? You're in a, in a situation well, where you have, have to? I have limited sun in the yard. Uh-huh. In the morning, um, I get good morning sun towards the rear of the yard, and then with the trees later in the day, I want to be able to move the containers uh, uh, according to where the, follow the uh, sun. full sun exposure would be. Okay, now I, my sunniest spot is my front yard, and I've been known to grow many vegetables in my front yard garden, which some people think is, is a bit wacky, but makes total sense to me. It's the best sun. Yeah. You know, you got to follow, you got to plant the things that need the sun in the sun. So. Definitely. <laughs> um, I'm, I have quite a few large uh, maple trees around me, so yeah. they 
create quite a bit of shade, so I have to kind of Work move around them for the day. And not to mention they suck a lot of the moisture out of the ground, so uh, yeah. a container will allow you a little more control. Well, yeah, good luck with that. Make it tough for tilling. Yeah. yeah. Keep in touch with it. Yeah, let us, let us know, know how that what's works. Going on. Okay, thank Thanks you. For your okay, call. Michael. Have take care. You bet. Bye. 927 here on the Garden Show with uh, Frank Proctor alongside as the zoo chef saying hello to Linda from Paris, Ontario. Hello, Lynn. Oh, it's oh. Lynn. That's right. Hello, Lynn. Good morning. It's morning. Lynn, not that's, Linda. That's right. I just caught myself there. <laughs> that's okay. I love your program, Charlie. Thank you. And you're such an easy voice to listen to. It's a pleasure. <laughs> Thanks. Like walking into a garden on the phone. Well, now, oh, isn't That's that a... nice. I'm going to quote you on that. Yeah. But... <laughs> oh, well, uh, my question is, I have a garden that I've started, and the foliage on everything is amazing. But when I grow pepper plants, they're tall, the foliage is great, but the peppers themselves... The flesh of it is very thin, like it's not pulpy like most peppers, mm-hmm. not sweet, it's bitter. So I'm wondering what is in the soil or what isn't in the soil. Okay, so good question. Um, you mentioned that the plants seem to grow very nicely with lots of nice foliage and stems, oh, etc. Yeah, the, the plants are like three feet high, lots of leaves and everything. I just wondered why the fruit. Okay, well, keep in mind that certain uh, nutrients or, or minerals or any of those things in the soil lead to certain kinds of growth. So when we have lots and lots of green growth, we tend to think that the soil might be very, very high in nitrogen. Uh, because nitrogen does lead to green stems and green leaves and does not necessarily support flowering or fruiting or good fruit quality. Okay, well, it has lots of nitrogen in it because I mulch it in its fairly new soil and I just put a whole, you know, like two bags of new garden soil in it. Okay. And what about, um, you're in uh, Paris, so have you got access, I'm wondering, have you used like um, manure, local manure, animal waste, or any of that, or or you're in a fairly small, Uh, more urban? I live next door to a farm, that would help. There you go. (laughs) Uh, The reason I bring that up is because manure tends to be very high in nitrogen, and I just wondered if perhaps you had had used some of that as an amendment, which obviously can be a great amendment, depending on the quality of your soil. Hard to know, like hard to really uh, diagnose soil quality over the phone, but soil testing is something I very much recommend. If you've got questions about why the quality of plants is not the way it used to be or it's, it's a bit erratic, soil, a soil test can help you immensely with figuring out what your soil does or doesn't need in the way of any supplements. Okay, so can I just take some to the nursery or? No, what you would do, well, there's two ways to do it, but the best way to do it is to actually utilize one of the accredited soil testing labs. So from where you live, the closest one would be at the University of Guelph. Okay. All right, so the easy place to find this, actually, I think I wrote this. It's the Ontario Ministry of Agriculture and Food and Rural Affairs that has a list of the best soil testing labs on their website. Okay. So just if you even just Google soil testing or preferably accredited soil testing labs, I'm not seeing the website here. It's a big, long website because it's one of those. Oh, there it is. Um, it's OMAFRA, so OMAFRA for Ontario Ministry of Agriculture, Food and Rural Affairs, dot gov, G-O-V, dot O-N dot C-A. Now that's got you into OMAFRA. Now we backslash English, backslash crops, backslash resource, 
And one more word, backslash soil labs. And that'll take you right to the list. And it explains exactly what you need to do. How to get your soil proper sample, send it into the lab. They'll send you back an amazing report. And it's fast now. I mean, you can't dig it now. But as soon as it's thawed enough that you can do this, uh, they'll have a report back to you within a few days if you're right on it in the spring. Okay. Thank you very much, Lynn. Thanks so much. uh, And, yeah, good luck with that because it's, yeah, soil testing, like I said, can answer a lot of questions. Thank you. Could you give me the date of the Canada Bloom Show in Toronto? Absolutely. Show opens on the 16th of March. 16th. And runs till the 20th. So it's a Wednesday to a Sunday, 16th to 20th. We'll see you there. Thank you so much. Thanks, Lynn. Coming up to 9.32 here in the Garden Show from AM740. The following segment is sponsored by today's featured guest on the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And we have with us, as I mentioned earlier, a special guest, the newly elected president of the Master Gardeners of Ontario, Ralph Bulla. He's joining us from Thunder Bay. Good morning, Ralph. Uh, good morning, Charlie. How are you? I'm well. This is Frank, my, Hi, my sous chef. Hi, Frank. <laughs> nice to meet you. <laughs> yes, thank you. So, Ralph, the new president, tell me a little bit about Master Gardeners and you. How long have you been a Master Gardener? Well, I've been kicking around the organization, I guess, going on 21 years. Which is about as old as the organization is, isn't it? Well, it was a few years prior to that, but uh, it was, uh, you know, just growing then. We were still under the uh, wonderful wings of OMAFRA, and we yep. were part of them. Yep. We were actually created by the uh, Ontario Ministry of Agriculture to uh, become the uh, sort of uh, community, uh, community extension. This was an offshoot from the uh, United States program. Right. And uh, we, were that, we were going to be designed to uh, become the uh, people on the ground to actually uh, provide you know, unbiased quality advice to uh, the public. Right. <clears throat> That's a good description, yeah. yeah it is good. Yeah. And OMAFRA supported the whole process, and it started with, what, about 100 people or so initially. Exactly, yes. It, was very, it started off, as, as all things do, mm. I mean, you, you go out and you look for a few seed areas, and uh, you have to, of course, work on your recipe as how the group is going to work and mm. the dynamics. And uh, then they slowly... Um, through the rural affairs specialists, then uh, brought it to different areas, mm-hmm. and it was in combination, of course, with the horticultural societies in the area. Right, and uh, they'd go out and look for a core of people who were interested. The big thing, of course, is to take the training at that That's time. Right. Uh, we're taking our training through the University of Guelph. Right, and these are experienced gardeners who are taking it to the next level, who are taking some extra training to become oh, yes. that much more of experts and be able to share their expertise with the public, as you mentioned. Yes, uh, yeah, this isn't, um, uh, I mean, I always refer to the organization more of a service club than mm-hmm. we are anything else. Um, you, have to, uh, you have to be at a certain level of gardening expertise. You have to be, have done it for some years. Mm-hmm. And we, uh, at that time, and we still do, we, we ask for, uh, it's not a really super difficult uh, exam, but we do ask them to write a test just to sort of prove that they have the basic gardening knowledge mm-hmm. and an interview. And you have to agree the fact that you will put in all the uh, effort to complete your uh, training courses and then actually uh, go ahead and uh, provide the hours of uh, advice to the public. Voluntarily, and, uh, I might point out. Yeah. And uh, take on ongoing training uh, every uh, every year to keep up your uh, standard. Yeah, Ralph, I, I have a sneaky suspicion I wouldn't pass that test. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, you never know until you try it. Okay. So, uh, you know, we always encourage people, if you're a real enthusiast, you know, give it a shot. Yeah. I mean, maybe, may, maybe it isn't for everyone. but It's uh, not for Frank, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> Frank doesn't know the difference between a hyacinth and a chrysanthemum. Well, think we're in trouble? Right for Frank. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, no, as I said, it's not for everyone. Uh, that's why the organization, you know, uh, and there, there are people who uh, try it and, you know, leave. They find that it isn't quite the fit for them. 
because we do demand an awful lot from our members. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's for not, sure. Uh, you know, it, where it's not for everyone because no. it's, uh, there's a lot of commitment to becoming a master gardener. All right. You have to be very passionate about gardening. Oh, yes. That's the other thing is that you have to uh, really, uh, re- really be passionate. And then, of course, everybody has different passions in different areas. That's uh, right. Well, speaking has, of areas, you know, I'm, you know, yeah, I'm, uh, for up example, north. a big person of roses and uh, things yeah. like that. But uh, you still have to be also broad in your spectrum so that you can answer questions all around uh, from other people. That's right, because that was your original passion, wasn't it? Was roses? Roses, yeah, have been, and it's still ongoing. I'm still, uh, you know, I do an awful lot of growing roses. But um, and and you know, to be fair, I can I, I have a fair vegetable patch and all the other things. But if somebody comes up to me with uh, some squiggly little plant out of a rock garden, I'll be the first to admit I'm probably not the best person to talk to. But there are lots of other people in the organization who. Uh, you know, that is much more their end, and, uh, you know, we can always find an answer for you mm-hmm. one way or the other mm-hmm. if you're, uh, uh, you know, stuck. That's right. There's always somebody who knows something, if we, because none of us know it all. As much as we think we might want to, we oh, can't. Oh, no, no. <laughs> either you have your local network, your own uh, master gardener group that exists in there, and then failing that, you can always go uh, online to the whole province. Mm-hmm. And uh, there there is vast resources we draw on from, uh, you know, all kinds of people, and yeah. we can go to... You know, the different botanic gardens, we have sources, uh, and uh, we have people even in Omafra. We still have links with Omafra. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there, there, there is an awful lot of resources, and a lot of it is just knowing where to look. Yeah, yeah. I, I think uh, that growing uh, stuff up in uh, Thunder Bay would be a lot more difficult than here in southern Ontario. Well, it is and it isn't. I have to admit that, uh, you know, stepping outside this morning, I thought minus 20 with a clear day is nice, nice weather. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a nice day in winter. <laughs> In Thunder so, Bay. You're right, but I also step outside and there's uh, uh, almost three feet of snow on the ground. Mm. And all the insulation that that provides. Exactly. Uh, what, what's lying underneath there are, you know, if you can uh, zone four and zone five plants oftentimes, mm. that survive nicely with a good snow cover. And are you in zone three? Zone three, yes. You are, right? Okay. Yeah. If you look on the, uh, the maps around Lake Superior... It, uh, the, gra- uh, the zone gradients are very, very tight to the yes, coast. Yes, yes. And as soon as you step away from the coast, as in uh, a miles north, yeah. zone two uh, jumps up very very near me. Oh, okay. So you're that close to the lake then? Well, I'm on a highland uh, just above that. Well, I'm out maybe eight, ten miles from Lake Superior. I live mm. uh, just outside of town on a small lake. Mm. Um, Which helps. Oh, but that's beautiful. Yeah. There. yeah. It, it is. It's very nice. Uh, there, there's sort of a divide between those who uh, uh, want Lake Superior and those who like uh, the inland lakes. and. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the Lake Superior people are the, you know, the big sailboats and the mm-hmm. big cruisers, and uh, but you don't swim in it that much. No, <laughs> that's no, it's for real cold, sure. Real cold. <laughs> a lot of shrinkage going on there. <laughs> Just well, five river miles are where the water's blowing in a little bit because Lake Superior stays fairly cold all year round. But uh, inland, it's, you know, you're on the smaller lakes, and it's much, uh, much more oriented to actually being in the water as opposed to looking at it. That's right. So, Ralph, here in my GTA area, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the questions, and certainly my experience gardening in this area, it's all about, you know, pests and varmints like, you know, squirrels and, you know, nasty creatures Mm. like that. Tell me, do you have issues with varmints like squirrels up in Thunder Bay? Well, yeah, we uh, we, traditionally, um, actually, we've only had the uh, small red squirrels. We're just, we just in the last few years actually uh, managed to... uh, we, we, we're getting the gray squirrels, and I can't say I'm really all that thrilled about the import. No. <laughs> and even raccoons. We've never had really raccoons here before. Really? And, and uh, we're getting the first of the raccoons around the city. I, I'm not sure that they'll really take on that much around the north because no. I think the wolves will eat them. That's right. In the things, city, they might make it, but not outside. They eat, uh, eat a lot of other things, but... 
Well, it, we're always glad to loan our raccoons from Toronto <laughs> because we've got a mess of them here. Well, I, I believe me. Uh, but there are other things. I mean, we have uh, deer have become a real nuisance these last years. Our deer populations were never high before, but mm-hmm. they, with, we had low snow levels these last years, so we have a lot of deer. And a lot of deer damage to the garden. Uh, yeah, yeah, pretty well now. Anybody who has a vegetable garden is looking at fencing. Yeah, that's wow. the only thing you can do. Oh, I have what? my dog and my neighbor's dogs and all that, and uh, you know they they do their best efforts at chasing the deer, but the uh, deer know uh, uh, they're very safe from the dogs. A couple of bounds and they're gone. Yeah, yeah. And the dogs. Uh, have no, to... the deer are there, and uh, my apple trees in the fall oftentimes take a beating from the bears. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> The, uh, do the bears climb up the apple trees, or they just reach and grab the apples? Well, it, it, it's sort of a, a toss-up. They, they they may go part way up and then destroy the rest. Yeah, um, this I've their had weight. Tours here where people sort of I could see them giving a very uh, odd look at some of my apple trees, <laughs> and I have to jump in there because I I sort of I do a lot of pruning demonstrations and things, and I have to quickly say that no, this isn't this isn't how it's supposed to look. No, <laughs> not at all. That's been bear pruned by Mr. Bear, not by Mr. Me. What about coyotes? Or wolves are probably a bigger. Uh... We, we do have some coyotes, but the coyotes are uh, sort of, uh, they're also in the timber wolf territory, so mm. the timber wolves will kill them. Mm. Um, so you see more timber wolves around. Actually, I've seen a number this year. Have you? And foxes, too, probably. Oh, yeah, foxes yeah. are around. Yeah, there's lots of foxes. I saw a very funny photograph out of Alberta taken last week. It was a coyote up in an apple tree, or a crab apple tree. Well, you know, they, they get up into everything. Yeah. Yes, uh, but... Uh, I know foxes could climb, but I didn't think coyotes could. Well, I guess, they, you know, they jump up, and if they saw something that they're, uh, you know, they're very omnivorous, uh, you know. That's so right. They, they're after everything. And when they're hungry, if there's a lot of snow, like you said, a lot of snow, you get some hungry animals. If they can't get out, they'll go up, right? <laughs> oh, well, anything will do anything at that time. That's the thing. I mean, uh, you, you, you see odd behavior. But uh, people always li- have these lists of things deer eat. Yeah. I say, given uh, any given day, a deer will eat everything. Yeah, and, that's uh, right. And when it doesn't eat, it steps on. <laughs> if it's hungry enough, it'll eat anything, won't it? Yes, and uh, and if it isn't a deer, well, you get the odd moose that wanders through. Well, you've got a lot of challenges then that we don't <laughs> encounter here in Toronto. <laughs> well, I've always been said is that, uh, you know, we're quite willing to repopulate the uh, Toronto's uh, inner city with our wolves. We're always too happy to create urban wolf packs. And uh, we, we, we wipe out the raccoon population. Well, we could restore the balance of nature, you know. <laughs> we learn to run the apartment buildings, things like that. <laughs> oh, well, on that note, thanks so much, Ralph. You're quite and welcome. Been a delight talking to you, Ralph. Yeah. Oh, thank, thank you. It's been great. Stay warm. Oh, we always will. <laughs> All right. Lots of things to do outside to stay warm. Excellent. <laughs> I'll see you at Canada Blooms. Yes, yes. All right. Bye. Thanks, thank Ralph. Thank you very much. Bye bye. Bye. Through rainy days and long droughts, infestations and early frost, she's the one constant in your garden. You're listening to the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And I'm Frank Proctor, the sous chef of the garden. Phone numbers for uh, the garden show, 416-360-0740 for Toronto area listeners. And then anywhere else in the province, toll free, 1-866-740-4740. And uh, just... Quickly, as yes. an aside here, remember, if you can't get through on the phone or for whatever mm-hmm. reason you you can't, don't want to talk on the phone, you can always email me. My first initial C and last name Dobbin. So C-D-O-B-B-I-N at am740.ca should come right through to me. And if you miss a show, we are podcast and you can listen to archived shows anytime you want at iTunes.com. Just under the search 
bar there, put in The Garden Show, and it'll take you right to us and pick a a date and listen to the show anytime you want. Well, we've got somebody live to talk to right now. Wonderful. Let alone podcasting. Uh, Dan is calling in from uh, Scarborough, it is. (laughs) Good morning, Dan. How are you? Very well. How are you, Charlie? Good morning, Dan. I'm great. I have a small thing. I don't know whether this is a friend or a foe in my garden. I've, (laughs) I've... Early in the morning, I go out now, and I think it's the coolest time in the, in the dark. I'm out there about four, listening to the Symphony of Birds, mm-hmm. doing my work, and I sat down in the summertime, and I noticed this white kind of a worm, like a hare, mm-hmm. um, coming out of the ground um, and almost searching like an inchworm, but mm-hmm. his back end is still, still on the ground, right. and it is, Straight. Like, it is so small. It's not a worm that I know of. It is not anything. It's like I've a wire heard. sticking up out of the ground, and it's kind of twirling around like a little telescope. Yeah. Is or periscope, it's a nematode. It's a nematode. Pro- yeah, it's probably a friend. Hard to say because there's nematodes and nematodes, but it's probably a friend. Ah. They're actually called wireworms. That's because they are just like a wire. Yeah. And they're, it's very cool, eh, when you see it? Because I'm like I'm thinking, I've so found a new species. <laughs> <laughs> well, you get out your little magnifying glass, and you figure out which kind it is. Right. Good luck with that. And then you'll find out whether it's a friend or a foe, but it's probably a friend. In, right. in Canada, Ontario, we don't have a lot of real nasty nematodes. It's when you get down into the tropics right. that the because they don't have, the obviously, the cold winters, a lot of these nematodes, uh, the quantities of the populations are so high, and many of them become root-chewing insects. Right. So they can be a huge problem. But for us, usually, it's not a problem. But yeah, I was wondering, like, I've taken over my dad's garden, and when I was a kid, it was a vegetable garden, mm-hmm. and in his older years, it became a flower garden. Mm-hmm. And then since his passing, I've kind of slowly switched it back to a vegetable garden. I'm wondering if maybe the change in the soils or maybe maybe it was a pest for, or a friend to the flowers but not good to my vegetables. Oh, why are you feeling that the vegetables aren't thriving in the garden? Um, I've got some issues. I can grow some stuff and other stuff doesn't grow very well for me. One year I've got carrots that are beautiful and next year I don't. I'm doing the three rotations. Mm-hmm. Um, You're mending the soil consistently with lots of organic matter? Yes, I compost all of our vegetable matter. We don't throw nothing in our green bins except for our meat bones and meat. Mm -hmm. Um, All vegetable matter and organics um, goes into a compost. We've got six of them. Mm -hmm. Um, My dad was a composter way back before I think our city even promoted it. Oh, probably, yeah. Um, Like I have one of the old, old big green ones with the sliding slats. Oh, yeah. I still have those old ones from my dad, and I'm sure you would remember him from your days at White Rose. I th- he had a little bit of a facial disfigurement on his nose, and he was a tremendous gardener. I think but, I... But um, his knowledge is not with us anymore, and mm. I'm just wondering if what I'm doing wrong, am I doing the right thing? Um, should I have done something when I switched from flowers to veggies? No. It's actually a good idea to always... It's, it's a great idea to always be switching up your gardening, because the soil will become depleted if you continue to plant the same things over and over. Right. What I like to do is I like to mix it up a bit. Like I, Even in my vegetable garden, I'll have a, some herbs in there. I'll always throw in a few flowers, like marigolds, or just something for the, the bright color. But yeah. obviously, marigolds also do add some um, something to the soil that keeps many of the nasties out of the soil. Oh, so, yeah, they are bugged. I've, I line my pathways with the jumbos. Yep. Yeah, 
Um, and the drain, and I do the geraniums in the house. They're also another good um, bug repellent. Yeah, exactly, can be. So, you know, it, it's one of those things where you're you're always kind of looking for good companion planting. Right. Um, some people say, well, there's not a lot of scientific evidence for certain plants thriving in the presence of other plants, mm-hmm. and yet there's tons of anecdotal uh, and even a certain amount of scientific um, evidence now yeah. for certain plants doing better next to other plants and yeah. not as well next to others. So, there, I mean, that's something you might want to pursue a little bit is look look up uh, under companion planting see if there's a couple of things that you are enjoying and you know wanting to plant and and sort of rethink where you're placing them uh, for this coming season and just sort of play with it that way but yeah you're right whatever's working sometimes we think it's us Mm -hmm. and then it's just sometimes it's a perfect season for that plant you know tomatoes last year loved it the year before hated it right There's always it rained every day two years ago. The tomatoes were covered in blight. And last last this year, I, my zucchinis, I I got tons of flowers, but no fruit. Oh. The year before, I got ton, hardly any flowers. <laughs> um, and if they were out, um, the, they turned right to fruit right away. More last than year, the year before was really good, but last year for zucchinis wasn't for me. Mm. And that's and of course you know zucchinis are the flowers are male and female separate. Right. Uh, so that it's, they have to be flowering at the same time in order for pollination to take place. Right. Sometimes if we get the zucchinis into the ground too late in the season or into too cold of soil, so too early in the season, that affects the formation of flowering. Right. Same with peppers, eh? Yeah. You know, you put the peppers in too early and all of a sudden they're great plants, but there's no fruit on them. There's no peppers because the right. soil was too cold. See, and I've done that too, thinking, okay, we've got our good good weather right now. Yeah. And, ah, we don't need to wait for the May long weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Just get too anxious um, to get Thanks for your help. I'd love to say hello, and I love you to my Uncle Norm and my Aunt Audrey. Oh, thank you for that. I think Thanks I remember. Thanks for you guys being there. And 740, you guys all need a pat on your back. Your programming is awesome. Oh, terrific. Thank you. Thanks, Dan. Say hi to, to the family. Take care now. Dan from Scarborough. We've got to save that call. We and, do. Yeah, That's a keeper. Play that for the boss. You know, <laughs> make him happy. Lord knows it's tough enough sometimes to make him happy. You You're know? absolutely yes. right. <laughs> ten minutes away from 10 o'clock, and we'll be back in just a moment here on Charlie Dobbins' Garden Show. But first, a little word about something that will keep you limber, my friends. <clears throat> we like to stay active. Active, yes. And we like to dance. Go. And we love to shovel the driveway. Yeah. And we're looking forward to the gardening season. And if we want to do all that, we've got to stay limber, as you point out. Sierra Sil is a natural mineral supplement which helps keep those joints nice and lubricated and moving well. Both Frank and I take it and have good success. Yes. My husband thinks it just works like a charm, and my mother swears she's friskier now than she was as a young person. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, one day last week, mm-hmm. I, I realized I hadn't taken it for two days, and my hands are, started to oh, stiff. I felt like, yeah, oh, God, arthritis. And that reminded and you. Yes. Yeah. And I said, see? Take yeah. it. Take it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. So if it doesn't work for you, it works for most people. But if it doesn't work for you, there's a guarantee, 14 day guarantee money back. If it does work for you, you're going to want to take it every day and feel as good as we do. Call one eight seven seven joint 14 Transplanting good ideas from one gardener to another. This is the AM 740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And Frank Proctor here, the uh, sous chef of the garden, along with Charlie. And the phone number is 416-360-0740. In uh, the rest of the province, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. And I'm going to have to uh, ask for a pronunciation guide here for our guest's uh, name here. Is it Innes or Inus uh, in Scarborough there? 
It's Enos. Enos, there when you know the one I didn't pick. <laughs> okay, Enos, how are you? Good morning, Enos. Oh, good morning. Listen, I, I've called once before. It's about the Mandevilla and the Dipladenia. Mm-hmm. My Mandevilla is doing fine. Oh, good. But the Dipladenia, it is sending out these long, long shoots already. Mm-hmm. I didn't cut it down in the fall. Can I still do it now? Absolutely. As a matter of fact, you, if you didn't cut it down in the fall because it was all covered in flowers, you're... Yeah, the Toronto yeah. weather, cloudy with sunny periods, a high minus six, a chance of flurries this morning, becoming cloudy late this Just evening. Just hold on one second. Yeah, just a sec, we've got a little bit degrees, of a problem there. by tomorrow afternoon with a high Sunday minus four. Currently, minus nine, 17 degrees Fahrenheit, with a wind chill of minus... Well, there we go. A little... Okay, Bob Shepard snuck in on us. <laughs> yeah. Nice, nice little forecast. <clears throat> sorry okay. about that. Yeah. Uh, back to you, Enos. Oh, yeah. Sorry. So, Enos... Um, because you didn't cut it in the fall, I imagine it was covered in flowers. Yes, it was. So you wanted to appreciate and love those flowers. You're going to want to cut it back before it gets a chance to really put on a bunch of growth this uh-huh. spring and summer. So absolutely, yes. Whether you do it now or in the next two weeks, yeah. I would definitely give it a fairly hard cutting back. Okay. And, uh, yeah, don't be afraid to do that at the same time. Make sure, of course, it's, imagine it's a fairly sunny location in your house. Yes, it is. Good. Yeah. And uh, so you'll water as necessary. Probably find it'll use a little less water yes. with all that cutting back. And I've been melting snow. Have you? Yeah. Good. Just for, that, for the fresh water. Yeah. As Rain, a, rainwater. Yeah, as opposed to tap water. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. And then um, somebody phoned about carrot maggots before. Yes. Years ago, when we lived in Montreal, I grew some carrots, and they had these tiny yellow worms. Mm -hmm. And a neighbor said, you have to water it with, uh, they call it grape something, but it's actually potassium permanganate. Okay. Have you ever heard of that? Yes, I have. Yeah. And I used that while I was watering them. When they were growing yep, in, in the ground. Season. And that way, when you harvested them, they did not have they those... They clean. Right. Yeah. S- exactly. Because I think that's exactly right. Yeah. They're such small, little, tiny insects that when we harvest, we don't always even see them there. No, they had them. The maggots were already on when I harvested Yeah, and you them. could see them. Yeah. So it's too late, obviously. You couldn't eat them because they'd already been chewed yeah. up. Yeah. The caller who called, he said his carrots <laughs> look good when he harvests. They get chewed oh, later. Weird. Yeah. They must have been in there already. Yes, they must have been. Yeah. But it's just a case of them not doing yeah. any chewing until they get into storage. Yeah. So pota- potassium permanganate. Yeah. Now, in the, back in the day, you could just buy that at your local yes, you could. garden center. <laughs> Nowadays, I don't know. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. All right, I'm going to look into that. Thanks yeah. so much for that. That's good oh, information. Okay. okay. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Thank you. Okay, Ines calling in from Scarborough. Now let's uh, take a little trip to Kleinberg and say hi to Gail. Hi, Gail. How are you this morning? Very well, thank you. Good morning. Good morning. I have a, a question about an orchid. Mm-hmm. And uh, after it finished flowering, I cut the stem off. But it doesn't seem to want to do anything anymore. So wh- how long has it been sitting there just green? Quite a while. Like a year or two or a few months? No, months. Okay. Months, oh, months. oh, not to worry. All right. So <clears throat> is it in a fairly bright spot? I've moved it to a north window. Okay. And where was it before? Uh, it was in a sort of like, a, I guess, my family room, and it would get the direct hot sun. Which you wouldn't want on it in the summer. No. But in the winter, that's not a bad thing, because the, the sun is so much lower on the horizon in the winter. We don't mind those southern exposures 
uh, plants right in the window in the winter. But you're right. Come summer, you would want to move to a, a lower light. Like a northern window is perfect. Oh, so I should put it back some... to the west window now. Yeah, I would. I would also, do you like to mist your plants? Do you spritz it at all? Mm-hmm. Because that's a very good thing to do with orchids. Generally speaking, the Phalaenopsis orchids are the ones that we're finding in our homes. They do love humidity, and they will respond to misting and spritzing three, four times a day. Oh, okay. Yeah, so a lot, quite a lot. Now, you have to be careful with your watering. You don't water much at all. As a matter of fact, the Phalaenopsis orchid growers are starting this campaign of <clears throat> the way they're suggesting you take care of your, your orchids is by giving them two ice cubes a week. Oh, Okay. Oh, that's neat. I find that I'm not sure if that, like, I'm a little hesitant to put ice cubes on the little roots. Because you know how there's roots on the surface of the soil. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you put root, you know, ice cubes on top of those roots. I just think that would be kind of shocking to those little roots. So I don't know if I really like that idea, but that's what the growers are promoting. The misting, though, will certainly be also your form of watering if you're doing it three and four times a day. Mm-hmm. You won't end up pouring water on the plant at all. Okay. And you'll well, f- I usually water from the bottom. I have it sitting on some little stones. Mm-hmm. And I, I put water in the tray. Okay. Well, you'll, you, it's good to have the water in the tray in the, amongst the stones, but I would keep the water level below the, t- the top of the stones. Yes. Okay. Okay, so that you're not going to be overwatering. It's very easy to overwater orchids, particularly from the bottom like that. Mm-hmm. So just mist, mist, mist. You can even put a little bit of fertilizer into your water. Yes. Know, just yes. a tiny bit and just keep that little nutrient value up. And I think you'll see they'll start flowering again. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You call us if they don't. Yeah. Okay, thank you very much. Thanks, Gail. We'll make good on that promise, That's, boy. Well, Frank will yell at that orchid Yes, for I'll Gail. yell at that orchid. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll speak softly <clears throat> to the orchid. Well, uh, we, we could do good cop, bad cop, right? Yeah, you yeah. You want to do the soft thing, I'll do the yelling. Oh, you do the yelling. Sure. Oh, okay, <clears throat> that's fine. Okay. Well, we're just about to the uh, end of the show here, but, you know, I, I, before I leave, and, and because, you know, my wife died, she and I are celebrating an anniversary tomorrow. Are you? <clears throat> yep, yeah, Forty-first, and uh, oh my yeah, goodness! I know she I know. deserves fa- sainthood. A medal, at least. <laughs> yeah, she, several. She sure does. Yeah. Uh, I love her dearly, and uh, so anyway, we're gonna have a, a great, uh, great. You've day got tomorrow. a plan. Yes, You've we got, got a, a plan. We have a nice, nice dinner. Romantic, something or other. Oh well, I'm, I, I'm, I'm a romantic at heart. Uh, I was yes. gonna say, I hope you have something up your sleeve. Oh, I do. Oh, good. Yes, indeedy. Uh, right. But well, in the congratulations meantime, and yeah. happy anniversary to you and I, and you know, particularly to Di because. You know, congratulations. She's <laughs> gone through 41 Surviving years. Surviving all those years with this. Oh, <laughs> Lord, love a duck. Anyway, my friend, yes. uh, it's always great, uh, Charlie, to come in and share this hour with you oh, well, uh, thank on the Garden you. Show. Thank you. You and are the best sous chef I know. Well, yes. Uh, I'm the only sous chef you know, but nonetheless, uh, a delight always to spend this hour. And, uh, hey, I'm coming back after uh, the guys at Dave Corner Garage. I see the, uh, they've got the windows open and the garage door is up and they're driving the cars in right now. All right. So they're ready to go and yep. you're back at 11 o'clock right with you are. what's going on in the city. Live in the city. And you got it. lots going on in the city, I bet. Yeah. Well, there is. <laughs> always. Always. All right. Thanks so much, Dave. As always, our wonderful producer. And thanks for all our callers. We couldn't do this without that. Absolutely. See you next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, 
and The Garden Show.